Uh, good morning, everyone. Are we live? Okay, good morning to everyone online. So it's very weird when someone says kind words about you because um, what, what they say and what you know about yourself are always two very different things. This morning, um, I'm trusting that God is going to help me and help all of us with the message that I have. And I'm just going to get straight to it. In Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, it says, there's nothing new under the sun. And what that means is that what is a revelation to me, someone previously already has gone through the same thing. There is nothing new under the sun. It may be new to you, but it doesn't mean that it has never existed before. First John 2, 21 says, though, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know, because I'm, 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 I'm going to be sharing a new revelation. I stand because I'm speaking to people who know the truth as a way of saying, together, let us stay one another in the very truth that we know. As a church, we have this desire, this hunger for knowledge. We, we, we always want to hear more, more and more and more. We've just gone through the gifted series. And it would be very interesting if we were to go around and ask, what did the series do for you? What did you take out of the series? Because a lot of the times we are very excited when we are going through the series. It passes and everything with it passes as well on to the next one. So we, we in essence, become driven by programs. We just want to hear more. We want to hear how Jesus died for us, how he saved us, how we are forgiven. More and more and more and more of that. But do we really take the time to just have a moment and reflect on our own salvation? Salvation is not so much about how much you have heard, but it is about what, what that which you have heard is doing inside of you. So this idea that says, let's, let's attend more church, let's attend more programs, let's create more problems, programs, sorry, Sometimes what it does, it keeps us busy. It gives us this illusion, paints this, this, this wall before us that says everything is well. I serve in the church. I'm in this ministry. I'm in that ministry. The crux of the matter is not in that. Because push comes to shove. What determines who we are as believers is our response, which is outwardly shown and a lot of the times that response comes when we are faced with situations now that is when we, we begin to see all these theories that we have in our heads whether or not they are doing the work that they're supposed to do so this, this, this morning the message is just about that a moment to reflect a moment to pause, not, not to rush ahead and say, let's, let's bring in fresh revelation, so-called fresh revelation and, and these big words and so on and so on. But just to say, let's pause and let's just reflect on who we are 
as the church. In um, Romans 12, which is our primary text, Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and perfect, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Sorry. Paul says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. I appeal to you, therefore, if you look at this text, you will not be able to grasp the magnitude of the mercies if you don't go back and not just to the chapter before. Because what Paul is addressing here starts in essence from chapter 9, where he is at, from, from chapter 9 up until chapter 11. He is addressing the issue of the Israelites. How the Israelites are a chosen nation. But because of their disobedience and their lack of faith, they fell off. But how through their falling off, we were allowed in. And I'm giving a very summarized version of uh, Romans 9 to 11. It's extremely summarized. The, the, The points that Paul covers in those chapters, a lot of them are challenging and not easy to understand or even apply. So that's why I'm saying I'm giving a very summarized vision of 9 to 11. But now through their falling off, we're allowed in, as I said. But it doesn't mean that God has, has, has completely written off Israel. Because it says a remnant will be saved. In fact, when you go to uh, chapter 11, from verse 30 to... 32. It says, For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in, in, order, that they, in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Now that brings us to chapter 12, where it says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. I appeal to you. I appeal to you. It's as if he's saying, I'm begging you. Don't take your salvation so lightly. What has happened to get you to be where you are right now is not a small thing. If you look at the sacrifice that God put in, not just in in terms of Jesus Christ, but even in terms of his chosen nation that he would allow their falling off, cut them off only to allow us in. And that what seemed to be a disobedience to them was actually mercy to us because of that we were allowed in. Salvation is not a... I say this sometimes that... Sometimes one of the most difficult things to do is to talk to someone who has been saved for a very long time. Because one of the most difficult things that that person faces is the fact that they know. And what they know 
becomes a stumbling block. And to a point now, because they know that they are saved, they know Jesus, it becomes, I don't know, an everyday kind of thing. They take it for granted. Jesus died for my sins as if it was just a small thing for that to happen. And that's why now Paul begins and says, Therefore, I appeal to you by the message of God, not to neglect the mercy that God has shown us in allowing us in as the Gentiles. And then it says, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The word present there suggests that there is an active and a conscious response that is required from our side because we need to present our bodies. If you, if you, if you read the Old Testament, they offered sacrifices as their expression of worship. They offered dead animals as their expression of worship. Now God here is saying, present, do something about yourself. Present yourself is a living sacrifice. What that tells us is that, number one, God has taken us out of this idea that we have to sacrifice dead animals as an expression of worship. But now he says, living sacrifice. Living in this, in this sense, when you read the text, it's not just referring to people who are living and breathing. Because it goes on to say, holy and acceptable. So it's not just any living being that can be holy and acceptable to God. But living in this sense, if you look at it, it also highlights the word living because it brings us to the idea that our salvation came as a result of that we died in the flesh or to the flesh and we are now alive to God in Christ. So we are a living sacrifice. Our, our bodies, our every being is that sacrifice which has to be offered up in that spiritual altar as an expression of our spiritual worship. And then it moves on to saying, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed. Do not be in harmony. Do not be like the world. Easy to say, but difficult to live out. Because we are in this world, but not of this world. Now the question comes, it says, if we, if, if, if we understand that we are in this world, but not of this world, how then do we live holy and acceptable lives, not conforming to the world as believers. Where do we draw the line between the world and us as believers? As I said, when you, when you read through it, it's easy to say, but to live out, it's not as easy because now there are so many things that have come in and disguised themselves as holy and acceptable in the church that we now as believers we are given the task that we need to test and check. Because ultimately, we have to find out what is acceptable to God. If you look at it, it says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Your mind has to be transformed so that it, is not, it does not conform. 
But the renewal itself cannot happen unless we go back to the foundation, which is you died. Again, you know, I, I, I struggled a little bit with this message because I know these are, are basic, basic, basic truths. But the challenge comes here. When we live our lives, do we intentionally look at each and everything that we do in the sense of us having died? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Do, do we intentionally do that pertaining to every decision that we make, every area of our lives? Or do we do it in certain areas, certain circumstances, and so on? Because look at it this way. If you look at the Gifted series, and we examine as to how much of it did we take in, we have to ask the question, why is it that we didn't take in as much as we should have taken in? Why is it that as we sit here, for most of us, a lot is already gone? To me, you, you know, I, 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 I'm reminded of what we shared uh, with Adele and, and, and uh, at the life group. Let me just put it that way. I made this example. I said... If I were to stand here and say, just randomly close my eyes and point to anyone, say, come up and preach. Not everyone, but there's a significant number that will refuse. And I'm, and I'm not talking about making excuses that, no, maybe next week. They would say, no ways, I'm not doing that. And then you sit down with the person. And then you say, what's wrong? Why couldn't you come up? the most common response would be, I'm scared. But then, the scripture says, do not be conformed to the world. Because now, remember, the enemy is trying to change that which God has already done in you. In fact, he's trying to reverse it. Because God has moved you from this point to this point, and now the devil is trying to move you backwards where your thinking and everything is still rooted in the flesh, your understanding, your abilities, and everything. The spirit comes in to give you life, but the enemy comes in to bring you back to your own strengths. Because now when, you, when, we, when we examine that further, we say fear. Fear of what? Fear of people. What are the people going to do to you? They're going to laugh at me. They're not going to accept my message. So now we begin to realize that the real problem is not fear. The real problem is something else. It could be that your understanding of who you are as a new creation is shaky. It could also be that you have a pride issue. Because people need to see you in this elevated light. So now when they look at you in this low light and laugh at you, you begin to see yourself differently. So now in, the enemy will keep you busy with this idea that it's fear, which is okay because most people fear, even though the Bible says otherwise, but it is okay. Other than if we were to say you have pride. Pride would be more hard-hitting than fear. 
Pride would push you way more towards change than, than fear would. So the, which means that is exactly what the enemy is trying to do. Keep us at the surface level. Keep us where we're just floating by. We, we can see that something is not right. But for some reason, we, ju- we just don't want to drill down to the core of the problem and address and deal with the problem. We just want to be okay coming to church, coming to life group, coming to all these programs. Because the, the programs, the church, the everything give us this sense of belonging, sense of righteousness. But the Bible says, by testing, by testing, it doesn't say by attending, it doesn't say that by believing, it says by testing. If I can just go back a little bit, if you, if you read uh, Romans, I think it's chapter 9, it addresses the issue of the children of God. Abraham was made a promise. Let me just put it that way. Promise was that you are going to have a child. But that promise was not instant. So what did Abraham do? He ended up uh, sleeping with uh, his, uh, his servant and had another child with the servant. But the scripture then highlights that fact that the promise was not to everyone born of Abraham. The promise was to that one which spiritually was chosen, which was Isaac. So it says, not all are children of promise by virtue of being born of Abraham. Which means it's the same with us. If we, we look at the text and we say, by testing the scripture is very clear in terms of how we should live our lives, what qualifies us, and what pulls us away from his presence. One of the most challenging things is to confront a person, to tell them of their faults. Partly because of what I said earlier, they know. So they will quote back. They will not take the time to say, okay, I hear you, brother. But can I pray about it and see what the spirit is saying so now it, it, it almost pushes us to a space it was said in the prayer meeting earlier where we come across as if we are instructing even though what we are trying to do is to highlight a fault but it comes across as if we are instructing instructions can never give anyone life 2 Corinthians 3 6 says The letter kills. It is the spirit that gives life. Anything that you do out of this idea that I need to be seen. If I don't come to church, then I'm going to be seen. If I don't attend, I've been away for too long. It's it's not looking good. Go back. Take a moment and examine that. We attend not because we, we, we are to be seen. We attend not necessarily because we want to hear, even though, yes, we are going to hear. But fellowship goes way beyond hearing this sermon. In fact, when you look at it, this whole idea of how we approach church is even flawed because what we do is we elevate and we put at a pedestal this particular part of, this, of, of the meeting. 
Everything else becomes frivolous as, as if it's just sideline issues. And this is the most important part, which is, which is flawed. Because if we live our lives fully surrendered to God having died, we have this understanding that when I come to fellowship, I come to the body of Christ to be used by God as a member of this body as he wills. So which means the most important thing is how he uses us, not the sermon. He can use the sermon, he can use worship, he can use anything. But we should not then, by virtue of this design, end up, I don't know, living our lives that way. Because you could be tuned off at worship, tuned off before the meeting, and only switch on during this part. Because you want to hear the sermon. You want to hear what God is saying. God is not speaking just here. He's speaking outside before we even meet. There's something that he wants you to do before we meet. There's something that he wants you to do after we meet. And it's not going to be just this one part that is going to do the work. It is going to be every member connected, functioning, doing what it is called to do that is going to bring about the change that we want to see around us. The body of Christ has to, has to awaken from this space that we're in. Let me just put it that way. We as the body of Christ have to really awaken and be alive to God. We have to take a moment and really go back to everything that we think we know. It should not be that we have to wait for someone to pronounce before we can wake up. Because as I said, a lot of the time it causes issues. I remember I, I, I once spoke. I spoke what I believed God wanted, to, wanted me to say. But at the end I was accused that I was being personal, I was being this, I was being all these kind of things. And that's because the word is a light. In fact, that's what the Bible says. The word is a light. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And when the light responds, then it's up to you whether now you want to fall on your knees and thank God for the mercy that he has shown you or given you in highlighting the issues within or do you want to continue where you are, the comfort zone, just, just floating along, just allowing the status quo to remain. You've been saved for 10 years, but where you are, it's almost the same as when you started. But you're just... Yes, you are saved, but that's not the whole point of you being saved. You were saved for something greater than just salvation. You were saved to be a member of this body, a, a functioning and, and, and a living member of this body. That's my message this morning that says, as a church, God is calling us to something far greater. But without us taking the moment to look at ourselves, to examine ourselves properly, to test how we live our lives, to test the ideas that are within our minds, to test the ideas that we've allowed to fill our lives, we'll forever miss the mark. 
And if you look at the word sin, one of the definition is miss, missing the mark or to miss the mark. It's all very well and good to look at someone maybe who's uh, into pornography and say they are sinning. But we are called to this, we are doing this, and it's okay. But we don't, in essence, realize that as long as you're not living out what you were called to, you're missing the mark, which means, in essence, you're sinning. And another perspective of that, which maybe is maybe not so harsh, is the fact that what I need, you have. What, what you need, she has. We need each other. Our abilities don't come from our minds and our thinking and what we've been told. Our abilities, our abilities come from the fact that as new creations, God has given us a new spirit. And by the power of that spirit that now lives in us, we are able to bring the change where we are. So which means someone does not need the sermon. Someone needs your word, your hug, your prayer outside of the meeting. Let us pray. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our King, our God, we bow down to you. We thank you, Father. We surrender before your presence everything about us. Everything, O King, that we think we know about ourselves, we surrender it unto you, O Father. We refuse to listen to the enemy. We refuse, O Father, to allow the devil to tell us who we are because who we are is not defined by him. Who we are, O King, consists and it is complete in you, Lord Jesus. This morning, my King, I'm just praying that by your Spirit, O Father, as we walk out of here, let us not walk out of here with the mind that come next Sunday, I want to hear another sermon, but let us walk out of here with the mind that says, this week I'm just going to take a moment. I'm just going to sit down. I'm just going to look at my life and whatever you highlight, O King, I'm ready, I'm surrendered, ready to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen.